Dave here. Don't you want to just maybe come for, forward for a moment? Um, I don't know if both of you have something to share or if it's just Peter, but uh, as you, you might have seen a little video clip on the 412 uh, earlier on, a few, I think it's a few weeks ago or so that you testified. But So they've planted a church in lockdown as well there. <laughs> One week before lockdown in, in the Netherlands. And they have been an inspiration to many of us who have uh, followed them, listened to what God has been doing. And it is a sign and a wonder uh, to hear what God is doing in them and through them. And so this morning I want to ask you to open your hearts. Um, I think it's so um, interesting that even as we dedicated Luya. Jesus said that unless you become like children, um, unless you receive the children like you, you can't have part of me. And so there's this becoming and receiving. And uh, I've known them very little, but in my uh, experience of them, they've got uh, hearts like children. They believe God. They're not childish, (laughs) but they're childlike. And I wonder, do you serve a Jesus who's childlike? Do you serve a God that's childlike? Because is it, unless we are like that, we don't have part of the kingdom. That means he's, he's childlike. There's an, a believing, an anticipation. Not childish, but childlike. It's, it's for my, my innocence. It's for my purity. Something of that believability that I believe. And uh, Peter Effia, I, I, I thank you. you. You resemble something of that, to, to me at least. Um, so this morning as you minister, may God be with you, bless you. Thank you for being here with us. And we'll have some more prayer time, but it's up to you. Yeah, before I, I have a message for the church on my heart, but I thought before, um, before I share that message, it's maybe good to introduce myself and Avia to get a perspective about what the Lord is doing in our life and what the Lord is doing in the Netherlands. And um, yeah, what Ruan was saying, it's really like we had a childlike faith because we didn't have any more. So, and, I, and I think that's a good place to start, like... Um, but um, I can't share my whole testimony because otherwise it will be afternoon. But what the Lord did in our lives is, is, is a lot. But I want to share um, a little bit highlights uh, to encourage you guys uh, what the Lord can do when you are obedient. And uh, I think it started mainly in our lives uh, uh, about six years ago. Um, I was a, I'm still a businessman, but in that time, business was my life. I had five companies. I worked from early mornings to the late evenings. Um, Worldly-wise, I was very successful. So um, we lived actually the best life we had. Beautiful house, five children, boat in the river, you know. Um, everything was fine, but we were tired, and we, we didn't have actually peace in our heart. And... What happened in my life, I was actually living a double life. I was part of the Dutch Reformed Church, went every Sunday morning to church, ticked the box, and um, 
I was an elder even um, in that time, so that made me more busy, but I didn't have a real relationship with Jesus, and I didn't actually know what it was. But what I knew that was I lived in sin, and I was the only one or next to God that knew it. So I did it in the secret place, and um, I'm gonna not going to tell you everything. Um, <laughs> but what happened is that there was a moment that um, I had a day off, and that that's a spare moment in my life. I was always so busy. And in that moment, I started reading a very small book about the foundation of faith. And while I was reading, I felt like that the Holy Spirit took my breath away. I, I couldn't breathe because I realized of all the sins I've done. And I think if I bring, because that book was saying, before you follow Jesus, bring first everything in the light. And I was like, you know, if people know what I did, you know, nobody will. Lie. My wife will, will run away. My family will not see me. My business will, you know, if I have to be honest to all my business partners and all the people I've stolen from, you know, I felt like nobody, everybody will leave me, but I couldn't breathe, you know, <laughs> so I need to breathe, so I felt like I, I shared it with Avia a little bit, and we start praying, and yeah, that next night, I woke up completely wet in my bed, completely sweating, I'm not sweating when I'm sleeping, but that night, and uh, I felt like, okay, Lord, now it's the time to break everything open, so I confessed everything, uh, every sin to my wife, and, um, and in the next weeks, I make everything right in my life. And from that day, I was free. I didn't know a lot about the Bible, but I was free. I had to choose to follow Jesus, and I was open for everything that he had for, for me. And it took me literally, I think, three, four weeks to make everything right with companies, with governments, with the police, with everything I did. And... And I was so full of the Holy Spirit, um, and, and it doesn't have to, with, it's nothing to do with knowledge, you know. It's just giving your life to the Lord and open your life and live in the light. And I think that's what also what I have to, a word I think for you. If you feel like I want more, look in your heart, is there something that is in the dark? But that is, that the Satan uses it always to accuse you and to keep you small because he says, yeah, look at you. And... There is, and it's a lie that when you bring everything in the light, people don't like you. I can say my relationship with my wife, it's never been so good as the last years. So there is a thing I don't want to live in the light, but that's, that's not from God. He wants to bring you in the light. But anyway, um, I, I skipped that part. <laughs> but then um, I, my life was changed. I started to do Bible studies um, and... And I realized that the church where we are in was not a healthy church. So, um, yeah, I make it a little bit shorter. Then we, fire fire, we went to a, a 412 conference in the Isle of Man. And we expected that somebody in the Netherlands had the calling to plant a church in the Netherlands, a 412 church in the Netherlands. And I was excited for that. I thought, oh, Lord, I want to support it with my money. I want to support it with what, what I can. But... I never thought that I was the guy. I, not even one hair of me thought, maybe you are the guy. No, it's serious. Like, I, but I, I thought, you know, I'm not a domine or a preacher or something like that. <laughs> so we came back from the conference and um, we went with a whole group in November. So four months later, we went with a whole group to South Africa to meet the apostles. 
and everybody thought one guy in the group had the calling. And then after two days, the Lord said to me, Peter, you are the one that had the calling. He spoke through Andrew and it was confirmed, but it was like for me, not that the guy said it over me, it was like I felt it in my heart. And it was a scary feeling that, you know, and I wasn't, it's not that I was insecure, but it was a real fear like, you know, maybe you are a, um, a, a carpenter, you know, and you are a good carpenter, you know, I can make a house, you know, but then somebody saying, yeah, from tomorrow you are a surgeon, you think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know what I can, but I also know what I can't, you know, is that that's real, so I wasn't insecure, but I, it, was a, it was real that I thought, Lord, ministry over, minister over people, you know, like a shepherd, like preaching, only the thought of preaching was, now, it, it, I, I was melting, you know, I think, I, I hated standing in front of people, and that was, I never did. Even in my company, when there are big events, I always let somebody else do. I don't like to be in the front. And even Avia said, if you are going to do it, I am not sure I can't listen to you, you know. <laughs> and I'm not, jo I'm not joking. This is just, this is real. And... Um, and then I, I shared and I, I spoke with Andrew Shelley and that time I said, Andrew, I really believe that the Lord is calling me. I feel it in my heart and I think I have to do it, but I, I, I don't know how. I, I can't see it. I can't actually, I didn't have faith. And then Andrew said, yeah, Peter, but you will start. I will send the troops. People from South Africa will come over. They will help you. And we are a partnership of churches. So easy that we can send people. And if you step in faith, um, you have to trust the Lord, but you can also trust us. Okay, that gives me a little bit like, okay, uh, maybe they are sending uh, somebody to disciple me, to explain me how I can do everything. And then I waited months. I, I think I may, waited maybe three months in the Netherlands. And I, you know, then you're in, in South Africa, everything is so exciting. But you are in the Netherlands and you feel like, oh. You know, it's winter, everybody is doing his own thing. And then Peter is saying, yeah, I'm you, you know. <laughs> Didn't In the Netherlands, you have to study theology or you have to be a name to, to do something. Like just a business guy, it's like, you know, a church is not business, you know. I, that's what I... So, but then a guy came and um, he said, Peter, you are disobedient because you, you know you have a calling. You have to do it. And okay, then I said, Lord, okay, here we go. I, I trust you, and I trust the people that you will send you. And we planted on the week before COVID. Nobody ha heard about lockdowns in these days, you know. So we planted on the 8th of March, and the 15th of March, lockdown was announced. And I felt like a rat in a trap, you know. You can't go back, because we had the first meeting. People joined, you know, everybody make a decision, we're going to join this church, you know. And then you realize, nobody's coming. And I expected already the first teams in April, you know, so. But, and I think looking back, and it's always easy to look back, eh, but we can learn from looking back. We can learn from the history. So what I've learned is that God can do more than you think that's possible. I can say, if I knew a lockdown came, I will never plant it, for sure. Not because I didn't want, because I didn't have the faith. I didn't have enough faith. But when you have faith, God can do the impossible. And he did. He gave me grace, but it's not about me. It's the church is growing. The church is devoted. The, we see wonders, signs, miracles. It's, it's amazing. And it's all like we are all in the church. It's all 
childlike faith, you know. Um, when we planted, we didn't have gift of the Spirit. We are all from a Dutch Reformed background. Nobody was speaking in tongues. We didn't actually know what prophesying was. We didn't know. Nobody teaches us. So even, I think, after a year, the Holy Spirit said to me, Peter, you have to teach about the gift of the Spirit. And I thought, Lord, how can I teach without knowing it? And he said, I'm going to teach you. So I, I tried to, and I just, for example, I just, had a, I just looked in the Word, I checked what the Word is say about prophecy, and I just teach, and I asked the church, okay, this is what the Word said, now we are going to pray if somebody get a Word. So we practiced the same day, and you know what happened? People received words. And we were like, oh, you know, the, and, and, I, I, and, and I was in the front, you know, and I challenged the guys, please ask the Holy Spirit. And it takes minutes, you know, and I think, Lord, please, Lord, please send one, you know, otherwise, you know. And after, I think it, for me, it took half an hour, but I think in reality, it was three minutes. A lady came up front, and I, she said, I feel a word. And then she spoke the word, and another one was crying. That's the word exactly. I prayed for a word, and that's actually for me. And people realized, the Holy Spirit is here. He is real. And, you know, and, and that was just the beginning. And the next week, I tried to, no, not the next week, I think a few weeks later, I speak on speaking in tongues. And only a few had it in that time. And we prayed for people, and people received because... We had the faith like, Lord, if your word says it, it must be true. So we try to grab it, you know. And I want to encourage you all, like, God can do more than you think. We think about all what we think from a human perspective. We think what, what, what is in our power. But God is so much greater. He has so much more for you. But you need to have faith and you have to step in that faith. So we are now two and a half year, um, it's now no, more than two years further, and the church is growing. We have a church of around 100 people. We planted out already a congregation three months ago in Veenendaal. Uh, Johannes and Anne-Marie is the couple that lead that, um, that church. And what I see, that it, it's not the church of Peter. It's not because my messages are so great, and it's not that I am so experienced, because I'm not experienced, but it, there is something of the hunger of God. There is something that the Lord is building His church. He is, it's like people phoning me, and they, we have heard about the Lord, what the Lord is doing. Can we come and visit? And then they come, and they see the passion for the people from Jesus. And it's not that they hear the best prophets and the best teach, but they feel like there is something of Jesus. There is something these people really like Jesus. They can see it when we worship. They can see it. Like after the service, nobody wants to go home because the next morning you, you miss the testimonies, you know. So everybody wants to be there. And I think, um, I think it's so important to have that passion for Jesus. And, I, and, I, and it's part of my message. It's not about skills, but it's about passion. Who is Jesus for you? And if he can use me to plant a church and if he can use me to preach... He definitely can use you all. Amen. I'm sure. Because I, and I wasn't sure, but now I'm sure because <laughs> I've seen it, you know. And what you see is what you, you I've, I believe because I've seen it, you know. And I think, um, 
Yeah, and that's actually where we are now. And this is for me like also next level. You know, you have to realize I am two years in ministry. I'm two years doing like leading a church. I'm two years experience in preaching. And now today it's the first time I'm not speaking in my own congregation. So this is also for me like next level. <laughs> not, not preaching in my own language because my, my, my eigen taal is Nederlands, like Afrikaans. En um, ik denk als ik Nederlands praat, dat jullie mij ook kunnen verstaan. <laughs> Little bit, klein beetje. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I feel like I, I'm gonna preach in English today. And um, I really hope that this message will, um, yeah, will bring something that you will closer, bring closer to Jesus. So let me quickly grab my message. Thank you. So, um, the message I felt that the Holy Spirit um, gave to me for today is a message. Uh, the first, first I thought, oh Lord, this is a message they have heard so many times, you know, because I felt that the Lord said that I had to teach about dying to live. And of course, in Josh Jan at 4.12, I watched a lot of messages about dying to live. And, and I hope today that I can add something to that. Because I think it's crucial that message about dying to live. It's part of the gospel and I really believe that the Lord will bring something fresh today. That the Holy Spirit give a fresh revelation about Jesus and the gospel. But um, for me, dying to live is, um, is a continuously process. Um, and every time when I read the Bible, I, I realize, Jesus, I need to die more. You know, we all, I'm baptized, and when you baptize, you believe, you know, I died with Christ and I rose up. But I, sometimes I realize, Lord, there is so much alive from Peter when I read the way Jesus is ministering, when he is submitted to the Father, when he is laying down his whole life. I think, Lord, there is so much alive in me. So I think it's, it's good to every time again to hear the message about dying to live. And I think it's difficult, um, maybe it's more difficult in the context where we are living. And I think your, um, your world is maybe quite like the Dutch world, N not the same, but we are living in a Western culture. You know, we are living in a culture where, um, where we have comfort, we have nice houses, heated houses, uh, we have insurances. We have a lot of things to rely on. And this world is so individualistic. So, like, uh, it's all about me, myself, and I. That's what we say in the Netherlands. And we are so busy with ourselves that I, sometimes I'm wondering, Lord, do we really know what it is to die to ourselves? Do we really have the understanding what you mean when you said we have to die to ourselves? We don't know what is persecution in the Netherlands. There is freedom of religion. So there is, you know, there is so much, it's so easy to live out the gospel actually without being persecuted. You go to church, 
But is that what Jesus meant with dying to live? And it's important to have that right understanding of dying to live because dying to live, it's part of the gospel. And of course, the gospel is that Jesus came to save us, to set us free from sin, to have everlasting life. And that's the part everybody wants to embrace because that's actually selfish. You know, we want to be free. We want to have eternal life. But Jesus came also with the message You have to die to yourself. When you follow me, there are consequences on. And today I want to talk about what are the consequences and how can we apply it as a church. But I first want to read a little bit in the Gospels what Jesus is saying about um, dying to live. I want to read two parts, first in Mark, Mark 8, and later in Luke 9. And in Mark 8 is saying, Then he called the crowd to him along this <coughs> with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit the soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul, if, every, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And also in Luke 9, is Jesus say, saying almost the same. He said, then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And also in the Gospel of John, I'm not going to read it, but in John uh, 12, 24, is Jesus also uh, talking about the grain that needs to die in the ground to get life. And Matthew 16, he's also reading it. write it down in 24 and 25 that you have to stop with your old life and take up your cross. So the message is so important that you can find it in every gospel. In every gospel is about die to yourself. But I think it's very important, especially in the Dutch culture, we want to understand why. When we don't understand, it doesn't make sense. So it's important that it's not like, okay, we have to die because the Bible says it, but it's when you really understand why it is so important to die to yourself, it will make it easier to do it. So, um, so I, I think um, for me personally, and I think the way Mark describes it, I think that will make for me the most sense because um, in Mark 8, Jesus say. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. So what Jesus actually say is that he wants that we die for him and the gospel. So what does that mean for him and the gospel? I think it's good to have that understanding. And I come back of it, but the key is that we understand that it's not only for Jesus, but that it's also for the gospel. But first I want to look at Jesus. He was the example 
that came to earth to live a life and to show us how to, he said, follow me, take up your cross and follow me. So he's actually saying, you, we have to do the same as he did. And what did Jesus? He came to earth as a human and everybody could notice him. They saw him not sinning. They saw him that he was always humble. He was, came to serve. He was the example. People looked at him. He was healing miracles and he was the lowest of the lowest he washed the feet of the disciples and at the end he was he was dying for them and that's something if you think about when you were there it's something like unreal because when when you get the the death penalty there is always a reason you had people deserve um straf what is the straf Punishment, you know, when they did something wrong. But they said, they saw Jesus on the earth and he didn't do anything wrong and he got the punishment. He went on the cross. He laid down his life. For what? For us. He wants to save us. So he did an action that was not necessary actually for himself. But he did it for us. And to have that understanding that that Jesus that came as a righteous man, full of love, full of humility, serving, healing, doing miracles. And at the end, he died for us. He didn't deserve it. And with our brains, when you deserve when you do something wrong, you deserve it. So it's all logical thinking. But what Jesus did wasn't logical at all. But his desire was that everybody get saved. And now he asked us to do the same. Take up your cross. And it's not that Jesus wants that you suffer. It's not that Jesus likes when you have um, difficulties in your life. And it's not that when you... Take up your cross. You know, take up your cross, it's not like, oh yes, I'm going to take up my cross. Isn't it? And it's not that Jesus wants that we, that we have a difficult life. But Jesus' heart is to save the lost. And he wants to use us. Jesus was, that Jesus was the son of God, it was visible by how he acts. People, there was not a name on his head like, oh, he's the son of God, you can see it. How can people, could people say he is the son of God? Because what happened in his life? And I think um, when he died, then he died on the cross and then um, there was the, the chief man, you know, the, the chief man of the army. And say, truly, he is the man of God. They could see it by how Jesus acted. And when we, when we do the same, that sacrificial love that Jesus had, Jesus would be visible in our midst. People could see, wow, I can see Jesus because that's next level how that person is doing. That's next level how he loves me or she loves me. And you can only do it when you truly believe that Jesus died for you and you have the Holy Spirit. That's the only way to do it. Without, it is not possible. But Jesus had the same. Jesus had, was powered by the Holy Spirit, and he knew he had a relationship with the Father. And from there, he could lay down his life. It wasn't easy, 
It was like when he went to the cross, he asked, Father, please, is that there no other option? It was not that he was like, ah, oh, you know, no. Even Jesus, he thought, oh, no. But, and then we read in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, and it's such a powerful um, scripture, one of my favorites. Thus, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, because it's after Hebrews 11, eh, about all the faith people, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endures the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. It was the joy set before him that endures the cross. And I think that's the, that's the key. Jesus knew what was after the cross. Jesus knew why he was dying for us. Because that joy of dying for us made it possible for him to have the most difficult death there was. Something in the flesh, you will not think about it. Dying on a cross, you know. But the joy that he had, he, he, he thought about us. And he thought, okay, with that thought, I'm going to do it. And I think Jesus asked the same heart attitude. We need to have that heart for people to realize, okay, Lord, this life is very short. And I know there is coming a life way better. Uh, this is not the, the perfect life we are living. This is the life where we pour out our whole life for the king because... We can do it because we know that there is a life after it. And the world can't do it because they say you have to live today because tomorrow you can die. We have even songs in the net. Live if it's your last day. Grab everything what you can get out of it, you know. And it's the whole atmosphere. If you don't like your wife, take another one, you know. They even advertise it because you have one life. You have to live it. But Jesus lived his life realizing that there is something better over the cross. And I think that's key for us, that we realize that there is a life after this life and that we are living to save the people around us. But it cost us something. It cost us everything like Jesus costed everything. And we have to realize, we have to, the Bible say, we, when you want to consider to build a house, you have first to realize what the price is to build. So today we have to count the cost and it will cost us uh, something because the value of the kingdom are opposite of the values of the world. And the, and, the, and the values of the kingdom are known in this world because the, the, the world knows what love is. The world knows also what hospitality is, all the kingdom values. The, Lord, the world knows also what giving is because People with, without knowing Jesus, they can also give. But all the actions of the world are for, the, for ourselves. We love because we want to be loved back. We give because we like to, yeah, look how nice Peter is. He gives money away. So people like you, you know, and we like to be hospital to people we like because, you know, it's nice to have nice people around us. So when we, when we 
practice these things, these actually kingdom values in a worldly way, we, didn't, we, we don't reflect the kingdom because we're actually doing exactly the same. It can have a form of godliness. Look, I give. Lord, I give. I'm hospitable. I am, you know, but I'm loving people. But that's not what Jesus meant by loving people, the people you like, because the world does the same. And how can we, how can be Jesus be visible when we do exactly the same as in the world? And it can be a trap. It was for me like I have to discover that, that because I thought I did very well because I give, but I thought in my heart I'm giving for myself. And even when I discovered that I can save treasures in heaven, I, I, I thought, okay, Lord, now I'm going to give. But then I realized I was so busy with, okay, when I give, I have another treasure in heaven. So even that can be like your idol because I was saving treasures in heaven, you know. But that's also for myself. Yeah, all these crowns, you know. <laughs> oh, look, and then I thought, then I'm in heaven. And then look, Peter, yeah, he's the guy that, you know. So even with that motivation, we are selfish. We are not dead at all. We are actually spring alive. And, we, and I, I, I realize that and I think, oh, Lord, you know. And... When I was in that process, I read a book about persecution, uh, persecution in China and Russia. And you know, these guys know what dying to live is. Oh man, I read stories, I, 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 you, you will cry when you hear it. You know, I, I, just a small example, because when, you, when they know you are a Christian and you, you, you speak it out, you confess it, they will take you to jail and not like a nice jail in the Netherlands. No, it's, it's really... It's the real jail. So what happened, there was, there was just a family in China and the police came in and, the, and the, they were all having dinner, children on the table and then they came in and they asked the father, do you believe in Jesus? And he said yes and he'd take him, he, first he, they beat him badly in front of his children and then they say you can now say goodbye to your children because you don't see them for at least a year. But he, the only thing that he said to his children I love Jesus, I need, so he explained why he did it, and then he went away, and after more than a year, they, can, they could visit him at a camp, and the mother with the children came there, and they didn't recognize their father, because he lost so many weight, he had a beard, he couldn't shave himself, and he was, he looked, and the only thing, he looked his children in, in the eyes, and he said, never stop following Jesus, and what do you think these children did? They followed Jesus. Why? Because they thought, oh, maybe we also ended up in jail? No. They saw the fate of my father is real. It cannot be unreal because they could see it. He wanted to take the price. And that's, that's the gospel. We need to die to ourselves, to not, not for only for Jesus, but for the sake of the gospel. So people can see what you really believe that is real. And this is the fundament of our faith. And Jesus can only be the real head and the real foundation of this church if we are people of dying to live. If we really are people that are following Jesus in everything what we have. And then, and if we are not, we are actually building our own kingdom. But if we build the kingdom with the kingdom values, the real kingdom will come through. And people around us will, will recognize it. 
by Jesus. Or well, Jesus recognizes is by us. Sorry, it's all the way around, but you hear what I'm saying. So what I'm actually trying to say is that God's plan, plan is bigger than sending Jesus to the earth and putting him on a, on a cross. It's way bigger. The Holy Spirit is part of it, and we are also part of it as a church. So it's actually a master plan of God to save the world, of course, first by Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but he will use us in that plan. We are a puzzle piece in his big plan that he has for the world. Isn't that wonderful? So Jesus is the head of this church. Yes? Amen, eh? And the Holy Spirit is the one that points out Jesus. He's going to live in us and he will give us the ability to look like Jesus, to transform to Jesus. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. And if we read in Ephesians 3, verse 9 to 10, the scripture says, And to make plain to everyone the, the administration of this ministry, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who creates all things. He intent, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realm, realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So again, his plan is bigger than Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He wants to cooperate with us. He wants to work with us. He wants to build his kingdom here on earth. And he uses people just like me and you. And his perfect picture of this church is like a picture with a form of love that the world doesn't know. With truly unity, leaders that are not reigning here but serving, and, and saints that are submitted to leadership, um, true hospitality, devotion to Jesus, that's the church that Jesus wants to be the head of. And I know that we all desire to it. I know, because when you love Jesus, you will love his church. But we will only see it truly happen when we die to ourselves. Jesus died already. Now we have to die. And I, and I just want to pick out a few things, what we, how we can apply it as a church. And I think unity is one of the most important things, because unity is... The first thing Satan always attacks on a church. In the Netherlands, we say when you have one believer, it's a believer. Two believers is a church. And three believers is a split church. <laughs> and and it's, a, it's, a, it's a joke, but there is a lot of truth in it, actually. Because this unity doesn't reflect Jesus well. Because Jesus likes the unity. And when he prays over it in John 17, 21 and 23, 23 he, he, he prayed to the Father and he said that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they are also be in, in us so that the world may believe 
that you have sent me. In, in I in them and you in me, so that they may be, be brought to complete unity. Then the world, again, eh, then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Can you imagine? It was just before the cross. Can you imagine what happened when Jesus decided to do his own thing? Not to submit to the Father. And it was not easy to submit to, for him. But he was in submission to the Father. Jesus' desire is that the world get to know him because he doesn't like when people get lost. That's the heart of Jesus. And it can only be when we are truly one. And I know that it's difficult in a world like this because we are raised up like you have to stand for your own thing. You have to come up from yourself. You have to stand for your rights and your, you know, that's how we are. And I think this context is the same, you know. And the question is, how can we be one? But Satan will come and will try to, when there is a little bit of space, he will use it to get division. And in Acts 15, we read a beautiful example. What's it's actually not a beautiful example, but it's a good example to learn from. That Paul was leading the church in Antioch. And then the, I guess there was an outreach. People from Jerusalem went to Antioch. And they came and they start teaching that you need to be circumcised. And there was confusing. And even the leaders didn't know it anymore. Even Paul, he was leading the leader of the church, was like, yeah, so many people and they are not listening to me. So they decided to, uh, to went to Jerusalem. And in, even in Jerusalem, all the leaders, yeah, do the um, Gentiles now be circumcised? Yes or no? And it was like a whole conversation. And then James stood up and he said, it's, it's like... Um, it's according me and the Holy Spirit, we considered that it's right not to circumcise the Gentiles. That's the reason we are not being circumcised, actually. It's a big decision, but what I actually want to say is your opinion. You need to die to your opinion. And that's difficult, because we all think we are right. It was not the purpose of the guys from Jerusalem to Antioch to bring the vision. Do you really believe that they think, oh, let's go to Antioch, to Paul's church to bring the vision? No, they thought, my opinion is circumcision. And they, so there was division by different opinions. And opinions, you, we have to be aware that your opinion can cause division if you bring it too strong, if you hold on your opinion. And of course, um, if you have according to scripture, a different opinion. Go to Ruan, you know, talk about, talk to him, you know, and if he don't know, he will go to apostles, he will ask the other elders, you know, and you have to trust these guys. These guys are the elders. You are not an elder, you know, so you have to realize that your opinion could be wrong. And even, I believe, that's my personal conviction, even you are right, it's better to have unity than that your opinion or it's a heavy thing, but I know that the values you believe in, they are very, very biblical. This is a church, I know the foundations are very biblical. So you, you have to not to be aware that, you know, um, you understand what I'm saying. Eh? So, 
but there is always like the, the thing where we can argue. And when I look in the Netherlands, the church is always like split in things like it's not about the gospel, you know. It's all about these small things, but I want to do my thing. And I think that's not biblical. I want to do Jesus' thing. And his pattern to save the unity is leadership. Apostles like James saved the church. And actually, they all saved the church by following James. James made the call, so he didn't save the church. The people who choose to follow James save the church. And you can save this church by choosing to submit yourself to your leaders, even if it's difficult, but for the unity. It's so important. And, and we are in a democratic system. And how does it work in democratic? If I have an opinion, I try to spread my opinion to as much people that I have a majority so that we can vote, yeah, the majority. But we are not a majority church. We are a church, a theocracy, where Jesus is the head and he has his own principles in the church. And that's what we follow. So if you have an opinion, talk to your leaders and not try to convince other people with your opinion because you will cause division. And Jesus doesn't like, he likes unity. Um, quickly go back to my notes. Um, yeah, so, so what I actually say is unity is a choice. <coughs> that's, that's not something, it's actually dying from our opinion. Dying to ourselves, dying to our opinion. So the second thing I, uh, thing I want to touch is love. Maybe you think what is love has to do with dying to yourself. I, I, I touched this already because the love in the world is known is love that's good for ourselves. We love because we want to be loved. We, we love because we want to be a nice person. We want to do good things by love. But in John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus is saying, A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you, must love <coughs> so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And again, with unity, the world will see two times. And now, by love, everybody will know. So it's again dying to ourselves because everybody will know. Dying to live is about the gospel. And the standard of the world is completely different. And it's also like, um, we, we, I think you all may be familiar with the love, the words filio and agape. And the filio love is like, I like Geetan, I love Geetan because he's a nice guy, you know? And, um, and it, it, that's true. So it's actually easy to love people you like. That's so easy, that, but that everybody can do it. But love the people you don't like, it's so difficult. It is, and it's only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, from the flesh, you know, you will think, oh, that guy, and you know he's not right. And you know it's coming from brokenness. And I know for sure the elders recognize what I'm saying. You know, these people, you know, think, but you, we have to love them because Jesus did it also. He also washed the feet of Judas, for example. And he knew that what, what Judas, where Judas' heart was. But he chose to wash them all. 
Because his heart is to save the people around him. Ju Judas was actually, I liked where you started with, Judas was from Jesus. So Jesus, he was lost. So everything belongs to him. He's only lost. And I think we have to look with that eyes of Jesus to the people around, around us. To love them with the eyes of Jesus. To win them for the kingdom. And to build a beautiful reflection of what Jesus likes. And I think that it's more powerful um, when we believe we die to ourselves for the gospel. We, we, everybody knows we are commanded to preach the gospel. But I believe with all my heart that when we make the gospel visible with people that are died to ourselves, it's more powerful than speaking. Don't stop talking about Jesus, but seeing is more powerful than hearing. Are you with me? In the Netherlands, we say, eerst zien, dan geloven. I first want to see, then I believe. And Thomas also, he said, I don't believe it because I first want to see and to feel. And that's so powerful when we really believe that we have to die for the sake of the gospel. The gospel will be visible. Jesus will be visible in this room. Visitors will come in this room. They experience something that there is a deep devotion to Jesus, that there is a deep love for people, and not that there are groups, oh, deep groups like people, like that type of people, no groups, no exclusion, but an inclusive love for everybody. That picture of the, that's the picture that Jesus has for the church. And I think the last thing, I'm, I'm now ending, um, and the last thing I have is, um, I feel like, um, that the Holy Spirit added something on my message uh, while I was in the plane, and that's about devotion. And I think devotion is not a skill. Devotion is a hard attitude, and sometimes a choice. But when it's a choice, you have to be aware if you really believe the gospel. Sometimes I have to choose to be devoted. But I think the true devotion is coming from the heart. I think true devotion is a, a reflection of how important Jesus is for you. If you're struggling with your devotion to him and the church, you have to question yourself, is Jesus really important for me? Or am I so important for myself? And devotion is something, something that mainly it goes earlier down than up. A lot of things we can learn and grow in it, but it's hard to grow in devotion. Because devotion is not, a, is not a real skill. It's coming out of you because you have seen Jesus. And then I felt like that the Lord took me to Revelations 2 when he speak about the church in Ephesus. I think you all know this church, that, that Jesus was sending letters to this church. And one of the churches was the church in Ephesus. And he mentions lots of good things. Deeds of hard work, perseverance, um, they, they were able to test that false apostle, so they had the gifts of discernment, um, endured hardships, not grown weary. So if, if, it, if I mention all these things about your church, you will think, wow, good church. They persevere, you know, do hard works. But then Jesus is mentioning, but you lost your first love. And he warns them, they get a second chance. If you not go back to your first love, I will take my lamp. 
And I was thinking about that in the context of devotion. I think devotion needs to come from the first love. That first love, when you have that first love, when you have a fresh revelation of Jesus, when you have fully sight on the cross and what it means for you, when you, when, when you know that Jesus died for you, it's so easy to devote yourself on him. Jesus died for us because he knew what was in front of us. Is it easy for us to devote ourselves to Jesus first and to the church? And I think, realize, are we still a church in the first love? And Jesus' desire for this church is not that it's a skillful church with fully grown adult believers. And of course, that's one of the things he liked. But I think that Jesus says to you this morning, I want to have a church that's passionate for me. And I, I can truly testify that in Oudewater, where we live, we are not a church. We are all very young believers. But I know one thing we have is a passion for Jesus and for the gospel. And from that passion, the Lord is growing us. From that passion, the Lord is doing things amongst us. And he learns us how to pray. And he learns us how to deal with difficult situations. But the main thing is we love Jesus because he first loved us. And my desire, and I think Jesus' desire this morning for you, is that you are a passionate church. That, when it's that, and that you are passionate about Jesus and that you want that devotion, that love, and that unity, not from, from outside. Okay, Peter teaches we have, I need to be humble, you know. No, I want to be humble. I want to submit my leaders. I want to love because I am serving Jesus. I want to lay down my life for Jesus and the gospel. Amen. Um, sorry? Oh, yeah, I can. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Um, yeah, let's pray. Let's pray into this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, so much for saving us. Yeah. Lord, it's, it's an unbelievable miracle, Lord, that you came down to the earth, lay down your life, and it was not necessary, Lord, but you loved us so much. Yeah. Lord, today we want to respond on that, Lord, and we want to commit ourselves to say, Jesus, Thank you for the sacrifice. We want to die to ourselves for you and the gospel. Lord, we long to see other people grow in this family, born in this family. Lord, we, we want to reach the lost. And thank you, Lord, that you want to use us. What a privilege, Lord, that you picked us to be a reflection of you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are the head of this church that you are alive. But Lord, we want to be alive in you. We want to do the same things as you did. Lord, we want to pour out our life as you did, Lord. Not only for the people we like. And not to do the things for ourselves. Lord, we want to give us for you and for the gospel. Lord, please help us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be a picture 
of a church that is dead to himself. And where everybody walks in this room, they can experience that Jesus is alive. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful people here. Thank you, Lord, that you pick them as cherries one by one and place them in this household. Lord, I pray that they all step in what you have for them. And Lord, that they don't look to their own abilities, Lord, what they can. Because, you, Lord, you have way more for them than they know. But we need to get faith. Lord, please give us faith by your Holy Spirit. Give us faith by prophesied words, by encouragement, Lord, to do the works that you have prepared for this church. Lord, I pray that this church will be a lighthouse for Parle and all the villages around. That people, that people will drawn to this place because there is life. And I, 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 you remember me, Jesus, when, you, when, when, when the crowd heard the powerful message of the gospel and a lot of people walked away from you. The price was too high. But then you said to the disciples, I also want to go away. And they said, no, Lord, where can we go? Because you speak words of life. And I pray, Lord, that this is a church where people come in and they don't want to get out because they think, where can we go? Here can we find truly life. Truly life because the head is alive and the body is alive. Come with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Empower these people. Empower this church. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Peter. I wonder if we can maybe just stand for a moment. We, we're finishing off. And, um, you know, you know he, he said it in a, foreign, in a foreign accent, but he said it so well. Uh, I, I, you did very well. Thank you so much, Peter. Um, and there's a, there's a sense of inconvenience that sometimes goes with it. So I know for some of you, you're thinking, hey, it's quite long, but just for a moment, stand and can we close our eyes? And what I want to ask, what is the Lord highlighting in your heart? Where is He calling you to lay down your life? I know we've got some visitors here this morning, so maybe the Lord is calling you in your congregation where you come from, that you need to give yourself to unity, to love, to you need to to be more fruitful in that sense in your church where you come from. But in particular to those who are here or you're looking for a church, maybe the Lord is calling you to a step deeper, step closer in our midst. How does that look like? Where is a moment of unity? Where is a moment of love? that will seemingly look or feel inconvenient to you. We have got to respond to his, to his word and say, yes, Lord. And I want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to lead you, that you will take that step and pick up your cross. That you will lose your life, but not lose heart. And say, Lord, we follow you. We give ourselves. Peter's message this morning has been for us together, not just for individuals, but for us together. 
And let's give ourselves to that. Let's give ourselves to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for that. We have a moment. Peter, if you don't, you just want to come and stand here. We just want to bless you. Pray for you as, as you. They have come from far. They're going to still, are you just a week or st- longer than a week? No. Uh, just, just a week. So they've, they're going to be here a week, receive some input. I know if there's some of you that you really have to go, you're welcome to. But we just want to pray for them and bless them. Uh, there might be a word or two. Uh, we have uh, encouraged many of you to, to come and let's contribute financially to them as well. Um, on the screen you'll see that there's uh, some uh, info. So if you want to do an EFT, you welcome the box, Eugene, or uh, somebody. Uh, there's the box here in front. So if you want to give towards the ministry, let's give. It will come behind and we're giving into the kingdom. That's, 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 a, that's a value for us. We give. They've come to give. But we also want to give, and we want to give not just financially, and say, ah, groot de krone de upstairs, like he said. No, we, we want to give into their lives, and it's partly as, 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 as words of encouragement. So um, we're going we're gonna to pray for them, and let's, let's just trust for a moment for in, that they, it will be mutually beneficial. Amen? Can we do that? So come, if you want to come stand around them, let's maybe a little bit front, we lay the, our hands on them. And we trust for, for just a, a moment of impartation as they have come to give to us. Lord, we, we pray, Lord, just for you, you say in your word that he who has gone to wash others' feet will find himself being washed and refreshed. And that is our prayer, Lord, for Peter and Ephia, Lord. It's been two years, and they're passionate, but we know, Lord, the work is hard, and uh, there's, there's laboring, and there's carrying people in their hearts, and there's uh, working towards unity and loving. Lord, it comes with, 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 with giving. And this morning, Lord, we just want to pray for, for strengthening in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, that you will strengthen them. That yeah, they will experience, Lord, your comfort. In this morning, Lord, and your healing, and your just a balm of like a, you speak of a balm of Gilead, Lord, just healing over them, Lord, in every way, God. We bless them and we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for a moment, Lord, where they will receive from you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, uh, that as people with our feet on the earth, we, we touch them, Lord. But, but in the spiritual realm, there's somebody touching them, Lord. And we pray right now, Lord, that they will experience a washing, that they will experience a lifting, that they will experience an empowerment. Lord, that they will experience the blessing of the Most High. Lord, we thank you that your word says that the blessings of Abraham have come upon them, Lord. And I don't know what the extent of that might be, Lord. But to some extent, it is blessed to be a blessing. And so right now, Lord, we want to bless them to be a blessing. And, and, I, and I want to stand uh, uh, and, and pause uh, uh, on that mo- for a moment, uh, Peter and Ephia. And, uh, and, I, and I believe that the Lord is highlighting your ability to bless. Um, I, I believe that, uh, that he's telling you, um, I'm a focus on blessing people. Focus on laying your hands on them. Because there's something that I want to do through the laying on of your hands. There's something that I want to do through your touch 
and, 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 and to some extent, uh, the Lord says, I'm highlighting your ability or I'm, I'm empowering, I'm, 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 I'm increasing your ability to bless. And one of the things that was spoken over Abraham and his descendants, he says, um, those whom you bless will be blessed. And, and so I want to encourage you, even in this week where you have a, a time of pausing, I, I believe that this is a Ibn Ha'iyasar week. It's a, it's a week where you, where you, to some extent, need to take off the gloves, take off the, 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 the fighting gear for a moment and, and receive and, and look back and pause and experience. I believe that one of the things that the Lord will be putting on beneath the armor is an, an, an increased ability to bless. So receive in this week, but go out with a, with a mindset to bless. Because your blessing will, will, be a, will be a breaking of a yoke, will be an ungirding of kings, will be an, an opening up of doors, will be a breaking of bars. Your blessing will loosen people into their destinies. Your blessings will, 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 will unleash and, 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 and strip, strip veils and, and, and open eyes. So Lord, we just trust you for their ability to bless. That it really will be with faith, that it will be with understanding, and that it will be as representatives of the King Himself. Lord, we trust you that the blessing of Christ will flow through these hands in the Netherlands, um, uh, through, through Living Waters Church, that your blessing will reach many. And we declare they will be a blessing to be, yeah, that, that they will bless to be a blessing. Somehow like this. Yeah, I, I, I've been uh, reminded over and over about this uh, portion of Scripture uh, in Isaiah 51, uh, verse uh, uh, 2. And it says, Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. And, and it just goes on about the blessing. And uh, I so agree with what Cassie is saying, that God builds by blessing. And so, Lord, I pray for Peter and Ephia, Lord, that you will teach them, show them how to bless, Lord, how to speak blessing, how to, to, to be a blessing, Lord. And we thank you that it's you in them, Lord, your word in them, your presence in them, Lord, your, your gifts in them, Lord. It's you that becomes the blessing through them, and we thank you for that. I heard the words um, that Jesus was saying to you guys and to encourage you guys to continue to be letters that are alive. Continue to be letters that are alive. Continue to stay close to him and allow the spirit to be your teacher, to allow, allow the spirit to teach you. Because th that is almost your superpower in the kingdom. That is what you bring. Wherever you go, you are letters that will be read by everyone. And I've just asked my husband to uh, read 2 Corinthians 3. Verse 3 and 6 to you. Het is immers openbaar geworden dat u een brief van Christus bent, door onze bediening opgesteld, geschreven niet met ink, maar door de geest van de levende God. Niet op stenen, niet op stenen tafelen, maar op tafelen van vlees van de harten. Hij heeft ons namelijk bekwaam gemaakt om dienaars van het nieuwe verbond te zijn. Niet van de letter, maar van de geest. Want de letter dood, maar de geest maakt levend. I just, uh, this morning, uh, want to encourage you guys. Uh, what you've deposited in us this morning is a deposit of a picture of childlike faith. And as Paul said to the Romans, I want to come and, I, I want to come and bring you a gift 
you this morning brought that gift to us. And you deposited and unveiled. There was an unveiling that took place this morning of, of a childlike faith. What it means to have childlike faith. The simplicity of it. The manner in which God is just trusted to be able to do what he does. When we are engaged in church life for many, many years, then we become professionals. Or the danger is that you become a church professional. And we become so accustomed to the things of God that that familiarity can breed contempt. And what you've done this morning is you've reminded us, taken us back to what Jesus said to his disciples. He said to his disciples, taking one of the little children, and I'm thinking of Duya this morning, the childlike, man, that childlike faith, that childlike, that person of being a child, that's what we are reminded of this morning. So thank you for that. And I feel like God is saying to you that, I know we always say this, you are the gift, but that that deposit that you placed inside us this morning, we want to thank you for that. We want to thank you for reminding us what we need to be like, the simplicity of it. It is so simple, and we can complicate things so much. And reminding us that every single person has something to contribute and to offer. So, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for this couple. I want to thank you for what they've done this morning. I want to thank you for their deposit. I want to thank you that we have had the opportunity to learn from them. That we have received something of a seed that got planted in us this morning that will grow and bear fruit. God bless them. Bless them in the work that you've given them to do. And empower them and give them the wisdom, the understanding, the discernment and the people to be able to accomplish your objectives in Jesus' name. I felt the, the scripture in Revelation 22 verse 4, it says, And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their forehead. And as you were speaking, I felt the Lord show me his name written on your forehead. And it almost glowed like, um, like glowing, like a light was shining from it. And I felt um, that you're marked by God and to move specifically with his darkness and dark forces that operate. And even age-old powers and they have to give way because of that mark. And it reminded me, and you said you have five children, so I think you understand it. If the youngest can ask something of the oldest and say, my papa had gesê. You know, it's like, even if you are 20 years older than me, but papa had gesê, so you have to hand over whatever I'm asking you now. And I'm coming with full confidence. And you can't reject because I come with that. And like, you will come in that name and the, in that authority because it's not yours. And But I did feel to remind you that that thing can be misused, misused for um, personal comfort and influence and that you will not do that, that you will do it to free those in darkness, to bring salvation to the lost and the lonely who are stuck and enslaved. That is your purpose and if you keep that in, I, I literally even see you going into physical dark places, places that's uncomfortable um, and you will bring light there and will change something will shift in this in the in the in the natural and the spiritual and and if you have felt for you feeding the babies and that you will be skilled in the world in the word not just to know it but to be able to give it 
in a small way so that the young can benefit. And I even see, you know, sometimes we give uh, milk to babies in a bottle. I feel like even that's too much for them. Like you will um, spoon feed milk, um, small, small amounts until they can drink from the bottle. And then they'll, so don't be frustrated, like five mils. Newborns drink five mils. That's what they drink. And that five mils is, that's exactly what you should do. Five mils, five mils. It's super tiring. But you've done it five times, you can do it again. <laughs> you feel you had practice. Okay. Um, I just saw a picture of like Moses whose um, hands were supported by um, Aaron and I don't know who the other believer was, but um, you know, there was fighting going on. And as soon as he laid down his arms, the uh, Israelites would lose, and he was continually supported by these fellow believers who held his hands up. And I just felt, Yatsu, that you are blessed with with people like that already um, in your life that's holding up your arms as well, and that there will be a continual inpouring of more support um, if you need that, and that you must also be like smart in the way that Moses and his father-in-law Sal told them, you're going to get tired if you need to be alone in this thing. Like, you have to delegate and you have to, so that you will be smart in the way that you handle your authority and your leadership, that you will not be as easily tired, um, so that you will be smart in the way that you handle the church. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I just want to add to that. I felt like to, to trust the Lord for vision with those um, things you need to be smart for and smart with. And Jesus, I pray for. Um, a vision, Lord, so that you would um, show them where to place certain things, Lord, where function needs to um, go, how a car needs to run, in a sense, I see like an engine parts, and how to put it together so that the vision of the car running will come to, um, will be, be able to, yeah, come to fruition, Lord Jesus. We trust for that vision to come, Lord Jesus, and for, for them holding on to that vision as well, Lord. Um, as, as he preached, Lord, that during the cross and the joy after the cross, Lord, and that helps going through the difficult times, Lord Jesus. Would you come guide them, help them with your Holy Spirit, Lord? Sorry, I just want to confirm, just to strengthen faith. Literally, as I was standing here, I felt like the, the same thing of like others lifting up your arms and hopefully we'll be there soon to help lift up some arms but um yeah i just really trust that within your congregation um that people will as you invest like you'll almost start feeling like how your arms are being like it's lighter like as others step up and almost put up their hands and like push into help carry um what's going on around them um yeah so we trust for that as Cassie was praying that you guys are going to be a blessing, um, I felt the Lord highlighted two ways that you're going to be a blessing to your people. And the one is serving these people. Um, we are a small team at work, so some we've got some um, days where it's like, do, 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 do. And I realized at that days it's helpful for our team if I take nice bread and cold meat and cheese and I make nice toasted sandwiches for the team. It always blesses them on those days. And then there was one day when it was so crazy that I couldn't do it. And I asked, I said in the team, can someone make us sandwiches? And no one could do it. It was like almost like, 
And the Lord showed me, sometimes we think serving his people is going into the nations or doing great exploits. But the more I journey with the Lord, the more I realize it's sometimes in the small things, like being able to make someone a sandwich and to bless them with that. And I believe one of the things is you guys serving the people. And the other thing, and it's so cool, um, God actually brought the answer for me for you today. I had this thing this week, Lord, how do I not become offended with someone that's offended with me? And I feel the second thing for you guys is going to love people through forgiveness and keep on forgiving them. I think our culture and your culture is very much the same in that, in um, people having offense. And it's so easy to journey with, or it's so easy for us to cut off people when they're offended with us. But I realized the thing is to keep on loving them and to come in the opposite spirit and to forgive and to serve in that way. So I feel as, as you brought that answer for me this morning, I felt that that's also going to be part of your journey. The way you love people in forgiveness. Yeah, Lord, so we just ask that you would bless them. May these words strengthen, encourage them, be, be like little signposts on their journey that helps them to walk with you and to be who they have been called to be in the Netherlands and abroad, Lord. So once again, we just thank you for our time together this morning, Lord. Uh, you have blessed us, Father, and we acknowledge that and we thank you in the way that you have done that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you maybe still have a word, please.